You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. My name is Brandon Rickard. I am the lead pastor here at Ogden. You braved the storm, the snow, and you made it. Well done. It's not as bad. We were sold something different. I think it was supposed to be worse, um, but we worked out. We're doing well. So we have been in uh, the book of Philippians. It's an incredible letter that the Apostle Paul written had written to a church that he helped plant. He loved these people. And he is in jail for his faith, and these people are actually also facing similar persecution that Paul himself would have been facing. And Paul is wanting to care for them, lift them up, and give them focus. And whenever you're trying to bring a group of people together, it's, it's really important that there's a common vision, a common identity for where you're headed. I don't know if anybody else saw this, but there was a documentary that came out about the Bulls in 1998 called The Last Dance. Uh, it, was, it was made about them going to the championship for the last time. And one of the things that was really interesting about this documentary is that the general manager is not painted in a particularly good light. This guy goes around acting like he is really in charge when some of the greatest players that have ever played the game are on the team for the Chicago Bulls. And the general manager says, well, hey, you know, it's organizations that win championships, not players. And when you have Michael Jordan on your team, the greatest basketball player to ever live, that's not a great thing to say. So they start to have all of these arguments. And, and I can imagine for the coach that this is a huge concern. If you've ever coached anything and you start to see there be disagreements inside the ranks of your team, this is a scary thing. So the coach at that time comes up with a theme for the season. He says this is going to be the last dance. That's what he calls it. And he says, we're going to give everything we got. We're going to play, and we're going to win. We're going to do it together. And he pulls them together, and he says, there's a common vision that's going to overcome many of the things that are causing us to maybe fight with each other and fight here as a team. We're going to stay together. In chapter 4, the Apostle Paul's addressing directly some disagreement that's taking place at the church in Philippi. This is the first few verses of what he writes in Chapter 4, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I have long loved and longed for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. In this way, dear friends, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the mind, the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause for the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. 
The Apostle Paul sees that there's division taking place. These people are arguing. And he says, look, we need to come together. We need to have one vision. Have one mind in the Lord. Stay focused on the Lord, on Christ, and that will bring us together. No matter what our differences are. You know, if you're those two ladies, you're written down for all of history because of an argument that you had in the church. Now, we have two options. We can be one of two types of people. We can be a person who chooses to create division or create unity. We can long to bring people together or push people apart. And what he says is that be of one mind in the Lord. What we see here and what we're going to see in this passage is that the presence of God makes all the difference. God's presence makes the difference. If, if the Lord's there, we can come together no matter what our differences are. He supersedes those things. We get obsessed with our differences politically and mask or don't mask. Or what are we supposed to? We, we get so frustrated with each other. But when God is present, his presence makes all the difference. And we're going to talk about and the theme that we've seen through all of these chapter, chapters is be joyful, rejoice, and it's God's presence that allows us to do that. When we have the presence of God, we can rejoice, we can request, and we need to remember. Remember who God is. Rejoice because God's with us. We can make a request to God because he's in control and remember who he is. Don't forget. He calls them to rejoice. This has been something he said over and over in the next two verses, four and five. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, I know there are people in this room who are going through extremely difficult things in life. And you could say, like, well, that's easy for you to say. Saying rejoice is an easy thing. The Apostle Paul is writing this from prison, very likely looking at his own death in the face. And he says, rejoice again. And he writes it to people that are under the threat of persecution from a very powerful government at the time that could do anything they wanted. But he says, rejoice. Because God is with you. The Lord is near. It makes all the difference when the presence of God is with us. <laughs> Changes everything. And you know that it, it only matters kind of who, who you're with, who you're around, right? Like, I can remember growing up, my dad wanted to instill values or something in me when I was growing up, and so I was a freshman in high school, and I didn't love helping other people, but when, when the fair came around, the county fair was in our hometown, and my dad said, hey, you're going to wake up every morning at 6 a.m., and you're going to do trash for the fair. This is going to be your job. And I did not love this idea. As you can imagine, I'm 14, not enjoying it, and, and the trash is gross. This trash is like, yeah, it's not good. And so we're throwing the trash in, but... But the best part about this experience is my sister's boyfriend had to do it too because he was dating my sister. So Tim came along, and I thought Tim was awesome. 
And so when we were doing trash in the morning, we would wake up. I was so excited because we got to be together doing the trash at the fair. And I remember Tim being like, regular trash is bad, but carny trash is worse. And it was like horrible, but it was funny. And we did it together. We had a good time. You, you've all had this experience. Who you're with changes the way you experience the thing that you're going through. Changes everything. There's a story about an, an expedition that was led by a man named Captain Scott to the South Pole. It was going to be one of the first expeditions ever. They, they didn't make it back because of some storms. He and his crew didn't survive. But they found some letters that he wrote. And one of his friends, J.M. Barry, quoted uh, Captain Scott, the explorer, as writing this. So Captain Scott was best friends with J.M. Barry, and he wrote him a letter, and this is what he said. He said, we're in a desperate state. Our feet are frozen. We have no fuel, and we're a long way from food. But it would do your heart good to be in our tent, to hear our songs in the cheery conversation. These guys know that they don't have a hope of survival but because they're together they're able to have joy and rejoice and say you know what it's going to be fine whatever the outcome and and they loved each other and they had a hope of of being together even though they were in a difficult circumstance how much more does that apply to us rejoice in the lord the lord is near no matter what you're going through god is with you and he is your hope beyond the difficulty of this world. Life is challenging. But these challenges, these challenges are not greater than our God. His presence makes all the difference. Who are you going through life with? Is it people that, that bring you joy or are able to say, hey, we can do this if we lock arms together? That's a good thing. But a much, much better thing is to say no matter who is around, no matter what I'm going through, Christ is my hope. He is with me. He is present through the struggle. And I can rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Be willing to love and be kind no matter what you're going through. Because God is with you. We can make requests. We can rejoice. But we can make requests to God because his presence, because of the presence of Christ with us. Verses 6 and 7, he continues. Listen, this is, this is something that we need to really pay attention to. Especially now in our lives. Depression, anxiety, these statistics are through the roof in our culture right now. They were high before coronavirus. They're even higher now. Listen to this. Listen closely to what God is saying to you through his word right now. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Do not be anxious about anything. What are you anxious about? 
My guess is your list is probably fairly long. Mine can be. It's easy to find yourself in a place where you think, if I just worry about it enough, I'll, I'll fix the problem. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when we present our request to God, it doesn't say that they're going to be answered the way we want. But you give your request to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because of who he is, we can have peace. We make our requests to the God of everything, the God who is in control of all things, no matter what is before you. God is bigger than that thing. And once we make our request, because of who he is, we can let it go. You can say, that's up to you. How, whatever the outcome is, God, I trust you. And I know that because of what you did for me on the cross, you win. You are victorious, and I stand in that victory with you no matter what this life may hold. In 2013, I, I went down to uh, a mission trip with uh, a youth group that I was leading at the time. It was during March Madness, and uh, Michigan was playing. I'm a Michigan fan, and I, I was sad to have missed uh, a game that Michigan was playing. Well, I typically like to record the game and then watch it as if it were live. And if you know me, to spoil this, is, it makes me super angry. And, like, I don't get, I'm a pretty happy guy most of the time, but if you push the right button, watch how, you know, relax. And so I got real upset. I was on the flight, and somebody said, hey, I know you're a Michigan fan. They, they won the game, right? I'm like, okay, all right. Thanks for telling me. So then I go home. I get home at, like, midnight. I go down, and I watch the game, and it looks like they got no shot. It is coming down. I'm like, they must have been mistaken. Something's wrong. And this is the game where Trey Burke was playing against Kansas, and he hits a shot from darn near half court. I don't know if you remember this, but this put him, they ended up playing in the championship game that year and losing to Louisville. But he hits this crazy shot. And the whole time, like, I could have been thinking, like, well, this is over. This is over. They can't come back and win. But I already knew what the outcome was, so it changed the way I experienced the stress in the moment. So when we know that our Savior has gone to the cross, He went to the grave, and He rose again. Whatever you face, let it be death itself, is not bigger than our King. And He stands victorious over that, and His presence makes all the difference. And when we request to that God, the God who conquered death itself, then even making the request in thanksgiving, saying, God, I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve any of the things that you give me. But God, could, could you help me? We make our request to that God, the God who is the king of everything, and that removes anxiety, it removes stress. And there's peace that transcends understanding. This is a ministry to the world. When other people see us experience the depth of sorrow, the pain, talking about going through the valley, when I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil. Psalm 23. To remember, look, God, it's you that's in control. My trust is in you. My hope is in you. So I can rejoice. 
And when I make my request, you give me peace that transcends understanding because of who you are. And we need to remember how incredible God is. The next two verses, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What do you find yourself dwelling on and thinking about? Whatever is lovely. I think the, the point of the author here is saying, look, you had a life before you came to Christ. You had things that you enjoyed and you thought were good outside of just your Christian faith. And this is something I think many of us as Christians miss. Everything that you see, I don't care if it's a secular movie where, where maybe the author had no intent of pointing you to Christ. If it's beautiful, if it's good, whatever's beautiful or good about that thing ultimately points us to Jesus. It points us to Christ in the greatest story ever told. We have to remember that Every good thing, every good and perfect gift comes to us from God. He's saying whatever you experience that's beautiful or good ultimately points you to the greatest story. The story of a God who would come into this world and not just try to fix your pain, but experience it. He went through everything that you feel. The frustration, the pain that we feel, God felt it for us. He bears that burden. And he dies. And he beats the biggest foe any of us will ever face. In death, in sin. I, I saw uh, one of the college guys that I, I mentor and spend time with had a post about C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien uh, wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This is an incredible series, an incredible book series. He's written many books, but he was a, a, a staunch believer in the faith. C.S. Lewis wrote a bunch of books as well, but he actually was an atheist when the two met and became very good friends. C.S. Lewis didn't believe in God at all, but he loved story. So C.S. Lewis actually wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. If anybody's seen that. So they're friends, and Tolkien is a believer, and C.S. Lewis, who they would call Jack, didn't believe in God. But he loved stories, and one day Tolkien decided to take this idea of loving stories, loving heroes, and, and leveraging that to point him back to God. And this is how Eric Metaxas a uh, historian himself who writes about people of the faith in history. This is how he describes their interaction. But Tolkien had another idea. Although for him it was no longer just an idea. He knew that all these ancient and beautiful stories were echoes of a larger and truer story. They were signs 
that the human race knew of another world that had existed and would exist again. And even now existed in another realm outside of time. He knew the myths of the gods who had died in a sacrificial way, but who would rise again and live. But he did not know them as unconnected to the world of reality and history. For him, they were echoes of a larger reality that had at one time burst into history, but only once. So that night on the dark wooded path with his friend Jack, this is Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, he asked the question that would change Jack's, change Jack's life. He asked Jack to consider whether it's possible that one time this myth had coincided with history. Whether one time eternity might have broken through into time. Tolkien suggested that it had. That the myth of the God who died and come to life was an echo of a greater story. Of perhaps the greatest story that was ever told. And that one time in history, this eternal story that bloomed into reality had broken through into history and time as the crocus breaks through the snow. And it had changed everything forever and ever, had brought spring into winter, and had brought eternity itself into time. Lewis had never considered that, but Tolkien pressed him to consider it, and so now he would consider it, and it would haunt him. What if all of the greatest stories that we've, we've ever heard point us ultimately to the story of Christ? I, I said uh, to my wife, sometimes I, I worry about mispronouncing things. I was like, uh, do, you, do you know the, I think I said, I don't know if I said it right, crocus, crocus, I'm not sure, and so what, I looked it up. This is what it looks like. Let's look at a picture. This is in Alaska. There was a woman who moved there and thought, is there any sort of flower that can bloom here? Is there anything that can break through the snow of winter to usher in spring? This is beautiful because this is what Christ did for you. In your sin, in the winter of brokenness, he comes into that winter to usher in spring and new life with his death and resurrection. He pushes through that. Every great story does this. This is why we love it when Rocky looks like he's got no shot. He can't come back. He's done. It's over. But he gets up and he wins. I just watched Spider-Man with my son. It looks like Spider-Man died twice in the movie we watched. It looks like he's, oh, it's over. He comes back and he wins. Why is that beautiful? Because that's what Jesus did for you. Amen. He goes to the cross and he faces it down. I got to tell you, Saturday, it was an interesting, interesting morning. I, I, Friday w was home. I, I try to take Fridays off and, and had a couple of phone calls that I made to, to friends. And people in the church that I knew were kind of struggling with some stuff. And they shared things with me. They, they shared things that they were going through. It's been a long week. Some people struggling with some things. They did an unexpected funeral on Wednesday. And I heard the stories of my friends. And we were talking on the phone. And, and I was just in tears. Thinking of the pain that people are going through. Thinking of this passage. Thinking of what it means to try to rejoice and 
dwell on the lovely, dwell on the good, and know that out of brokenness, God brings life. Friday, I had this brutal, difficult day. And, and when I woke up in the morning, my wife said, hey, she woke me up, and she said, you got to look outside. And I saw some of these pictures posted. This is what the sunrise looked like Saturday morning. Yeah, there's the row girls. Danny, thanks for letting me use that. Let's stop at the next one right here. That, that's the backyard of somebody that I know needed that sunrise. Because God, his presence is bigger than what you're going through. And we can experience joy And we can rejoice because of the presence of God in us. And out of the darkness of night, he brings new life in the morning. This is where hope comes from. It's out of a bigger story, a greater story. It's not yours and it's not mine. It's his. Because God is so good and his presence is so amazing. We can rejoice no matter what we go through. We can make a request and and put it at the feet of God and say, no matter what happens, I know you've given me more than I can deserve. We're going to be thankful in that place. And we need to remember that every story points to the ultimate story that we find in Jesus Christ on the cross. His presence makes all the difference. It changes who you are. It changes the way you experience the world because it's your Father. This is the hope of a Christian. Now, I, I know many of us are, are maybe going through struggles, or you look at the world and you see brokenness, you see frustration, and you're like, God, how, if there is a God, how could he let those things happen? We turned on God, we broke his creation, he came into it, into the brokenness to save you. Instead of running from God, these are the moments where we need to run to him. He's the hope. And when the rules of this world seem to be beating us down, and and Satan's like, well, you can't have that. You you need to be upset, and you need to be frustrated about the things that are happening, and Satan kind of thinks that he's in control. The presence of God makes all the difference. Let's watch this video together of Tom Brady with his son, and then we'll unpack it. He, he, he goes to the edge of the stadium. Tom Brady, he walks over there and he says to a security guard that knows that the rules are that nobody's supposed to go down there. Nobody's supposed to get past the security guard, right? But when it's Tom Brady's son, all of a sudden the rules don't apply. Can I say hi to my son? He's like, of course. Yeah, yeah send him down. I love, he's like, I love you, buddy. We're going to the Super Bowl. You see... Satan's trying to say to to all of us, look, the the rules, my rules of control and and beating you down, making you feel guilty, making you feel like you're not enough, not good enough. 
Those rules apply to you, but then God, like Tom Brady, comes to the side and says, no, that's my son. Send him down here. He's with me. The presence of God makes all the difference. What, what are you going through life with? Is it, is it with the presence of God, knowing that whatever is ahead of you, God has already faced it down and accomplished the victory? Or is it to say, look, I'm just going to do the best that I can and try to beat all of the foes on my own? Look, everything in this world will let you down. Except Christ, who beat death for you. So that we can have hope, we can rejoice no matter what, we can make our requests known and have peace And we will remember that every story is an echo of the greatest story of a God who came into your brokenness and died and saved you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you came to this world so that you can be with us, to make a way for your spirit to be with us through your perfection. And God, I pray that if there are people that are anxious and in pain and struggling, that they would run to you, that they would find hope in you, confessing their sin and being brought home as a child of God. God, thank you for your presence. May it dwell powerfully in and around us. Draw more people to yourself. Give us the strength to rejoice. The peace of a request to a powerful God and and the wisdom to remember that every great story is just an echo of you. Thank you, God, for who you are, for your word and your spirit illuminating it in us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.